Choir, thank you. David, we appreciate the work that goes into your ministry here, orchestra, instruments. Thank you so much. Someone made the comment years and years ago to the effect that getting old isn't for sissies. One of the things I know that uh, is involved in that is memory. Uh, I've got things in my worship folder that I have circled. And between here and here, somewhere right in here, they're lost. (laughs) If you will look one more time, please, at your worship folder, there's something that needs to be noted there. On the back page, the top announcement. There is a plant in our foyer this morning that I want to encourage you, no matter how big a hurry you're in after the close of this worship service, if you have not gone through the foyer and seen this plant, I think you need to do it. I will not make any attempt to pronounce the name of it. It is generally called a crown of thorns. It is on my left as you go out. It is so tall, and uh, there's some very pretty blooms at the top of the stalks but what I want to call to your attention is the rest of the stalk there's a reason for it being called a crown of thorns this plant was introduced uh, into the Middle East before the time of Christ and was grown on the Mount of Olives and it is widely believed that this plant was used to make our Savior's crown of thorns Now, there's no one that can stand and say, I saw that, and that's what happened. But it certainly looks to be quite possible, if you look at that plant, how a crown of thorns could be made of it, and how it would be a blood-producing thing if it were placed down your head. So I hope that you will take a moment or two and be sure that you go through the foyer. It's on my left uh, there in the foyer, and I appreciate uh, the ones who made sure that we had that this morning. I thank you all very, very much. A couple of things. The background for my sermon this morning is Matthew 21. I'm not going to read those verses. But that has to do with our Lord's entry and uh, his presentation in, in Jerusalem. He entered the city. This is verse 10. And all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? And my sermon is a takeoff on uh, verse 10. Now, uh, dear people, I, this is not... Uh, When I say to you, um, this is not faux, um, a faux attempt at being humble. I preached this message in 1989. Two ladies remembered that. One of them had asked me in years past, why don't you preach that every 
Christmas, Easter season, I'm sorry, Easter season, and particularly on Palm Sunday. Well, I didn't think I should do that. But again, I was asked earlier, about four weeks ago, Pastor, um, Palm Sunday's coming. Uh, you remember the message? And I said, yes, dear, I know what you're talking about. Would you bring that again? So if you have uh, a memory that brings to your thoughts some of what you are hearing this morning, I am simply trying to be responsive to a request. And just please keep in mind, the background of my remarks this morning are 2110 of Matthew. Pray with me. Father, speak to our hearts your truth this morning. Encourage us to think about Jesus. Encourage us to give a sufficient amount of self-introspection to our own lives and what he might have to say were he here in Fuqua Arena today. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm not usually one to tell personal experiences in the pulpit on Sunday morning. As most of you are aware, I generally take a passage of Scripture and try to expound on that passage of Scripture. However, yesterday afternoon, something so unusual happened to me that I'm going to interrupt that normal practice and share it with you. Quite often, I come to the church on Saturday afternoon and reflect on the Sunday services. And a number of Saturday afternoons, I will come in, sit down on third or fourth pew here, and just reflect, pray about the Sunday morning services. And I did that yesterday. I was here for a while and then turned the lights off and went out to get in my car, which I had parked under the drive through And as I got in the car... I noticed a man standing across the street. He appeared to be in his early 30s. He was clean. He was neatly dressed. And he had a beard. And he seemed to be looking around. He would look up Wake Chapel Road, look down Wake Chapel Road, and then look over here at the church. And in a moment or two, he crossed Wake Chapel Road and stood at the entrance to our parking lot right out here on this side of Wake Chapel, just at the corner where the parking lot meets Wake Chapel Road. He stood there for a few few moments, looking at our buildings. All was going on over here. Now, it isn't uncommon to find a stranger here on our premises, in our parking lot, wherever. And sometimes they knock at the door. And once in a while, we have the sweet privilege of ministering to somebody who has come by here and who is in need. So I pulled out from under the drive-thru and up to the street here and asked him if I could do anything for him. He peered into the window of my car and said, well, yes, I'm interested in your church and in the community. 
I wonder if you could tell me something about both of them. Well, we are always alert, or at least we always try to be alert to those who are interested in Wake Chapel Church and in our community. So I said, sure, I'll be glad to. And I said, would you like to get in and, and sit down? We'll chat. And he did, and we sat there exchanging pleasantries for a while. <clears throat> it was the middle of the afternoon, and I hadn't eaten since rather early yesterday morning, and my stomach was beginning to remind me of that. And so I asked this young man, would you like to ride up the street with me and get a bite to eat, and then I'll drive around and I'll show you a little bit of Fuqua Arena. He said he wasn't hungry, but he would go with me. So I started to pull out onto Wake Chapel Road and had to wait, as you know, for a long line of cars and trucks. And how I, I commented on how traffic was increasing exponentially, it seemed, in our small town. And it seems that Wake Chapel Road is nothing less than a major thoroughfare now. The stranger looked curiously to his right, to his left, looked back at me and said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in. Well, I thought that was a strange thing to say about Wake Chapel Road. I knew that it was a busy street, but I'd never heard of it referred to in quite those terms. But we were finally able to turn right onto Wake Chapel Road and then down Durham Street and through Verena to the Golden Arches of McDonald's. I was fairly hungry. There was still a line going through, even though it was the afternoon, there's still a line going through the drive-thru and parking spots open. And so I told the young men, I said, if you're not in any hurry, I'm just going to go inside and pick up a hamburger and come back out and ask him again if he wanted one. I didn't want to sit in front of somebody and, and eat something and, and them not have anything. But he said again, no, no, thank you. He said to me, I have meat to eat that you know not of. That made me a little nervous. But I got out of the car, went in, and got a Big Mac, fries, and Coke, came back to the car. I had taken one bite out of my Big Mac when he looked at me with a peculiar expression on his face and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Frankly, I wondered whether or not I should finish eating my Big Mac. I was beginning to think the stranger who'd gotten into my car was more than just a little bit different. And I wasn't sure what to do with him in my car. So I finished most of Big Mac. And I said, you wanted to know something about the community. Um, I'll just, we'll just ride through town. So we left, left McDonald's and headed in that direction. Drove past David Anthony's. And I explained that a friend owned that, and I personally thought of it as a lovely place to shop. He nodded, but didn't say anything. 
come on downtown, and before long we come to Fidelity Bank. And I told a stranger that our church does some business there, and many of the folks in the whole community bank there. And he looked at me, and he said, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and destroy. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Well, I decided I wouldn't say anything more about banks. <laughs> we drove on, soon passed one of the stores in the downtown area, and I pointed out, I said, that's a, that's a nice store. I know the family. Uh, they've owned that store for, a, I don't even know how long. Place I like to shop. Buy some clothes there. The stranger looked at me and said, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Well, I added shopping and stores to my list of bank. I'm going to say more about that. Made our way on through downtown and drove down to where I still remember it, and I know many of you folks remember it. Southern Wake Hospital. It's not there anymore. And I said, I think there are a lot of people in our community that wish we still had that little community hospital there. I said, I've made quite a few visits there. And he said, yes, I know you visited me once. Well, I'd made a lot of hospital visits at Southern Wake. Young people, old people. But I couldn't remember visiting him. And so I just looked at him and said, I don't remember visiting you. He said, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. I never did remember visiting him, but I didn't want to make a further point of it because I didn't know what he would say. Came back into the downtown area and I got to the stoplight at Maine and Academy. <clears throat> Red. And he said, turn left. I said, why? That's just going out of town. He said, turn left. And so reluctantly I did. I was puzzled at why he said that, but I followed his instructions. And in just a moment, turn right, and right there is the food pantry. And the parking lot was, had a, I had a good number of people there yesterday afternoon. They weren't dressed for coming to church. Let me just leave it at that. Some of them appeared to be inebriated. And yesterday afternoon, was, it was a nice afternoon, but uh, there's some children, three or four children, playing in the parking lot with no shoes on. I thought, it's a little early for that. Well, he got out of the car and went over and talked 
to them very freely, very openly. He seemed not to be concerned at all about what they wore or anything else. Quite frankly, please forgive me, but seeing that group and with some of the things that have happened in recent days, it made me just a tad uneasy. Before he said anything else, when he got back to the car, he looked at me and said, They that are whole be not a physician but they that are sick. Well, okay, I wasn't sure exactly what he meant by that either. But I said, what would you say to those folks? They were free at talking with you. They were not reluctant to talk with you. And certainly you were not reluctant to talk with them. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Well, I wasn't sure how to take that either. Seemed like a rebuke to me. Where are we going now, he said. I, was, frankly, was beginning to want him out of my car. I thought about it for a moment or two and decided to do what most of us do when something unusual happens to us, and that is to share it with somebody else. And the closest person to me is my wife. And I thought, she will never believe this if I go home and tell her about it. So I'm going to take him home and introduce him to Louise. I said to him, I want you to meet my family. I knew they weren't going to believe this. And as we started out of town... I thought... I saw him turn his head, and I thought, him, I thought I heard him whisper, How oft would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathered her chicks, but you would not. Soon we pulled into my driveway, and I said, Let's go in. I told him how much we enjoyed living out there, but that we had some concerns about the school that's being built across the street from our house. Yes, yes, he said. Foxes have their dens and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man does not have any place to lay his head. I didn't know whether to go ahead and take him inside or not, but I did. Introduced him to my wife, Louise. He looked at her and looked back at me and said, yes, I've known her for a long time. In fact, I've known her longer than you have. Well, that stirred my interest. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? He looked at her 
again and said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then he sat down on the sofa in our living room. I wondered how my grandchildren who were there would react to this bearded stranger. They usually keep pretty much to themselves when company comes into our home while they're there. But instead, Noah and Joy came into the living room, walked over to the sofa. One of them sat on one side of him, one sat on the other side. <clears throat> and they began conversation. There was no reluctance to talk to him. None. They weren't frightened by his appearance. They weren't concerned by his appearance. Just picked up conversation. Here we go. <clears throat> Frankly, I was astonished. They'd never done anything like that with anyone who'd visited our home while they were there. And as I stood there with my mouth hanging open because of what I was seeing, he said, Permit the children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Except you become as a child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. My grandchildren were fascinated by the way he talked, and they carried on quite a conversation. And it seemed to me, there's, there's no question about it really, he was more interested in them than he was either me or Louise. After a lengthy visit, this young man got up and asked if, he could see a little bit more of the community. And again, I wasn't too sure. I wanted him to get back in the car with me. I'd never met anyone quite like him. But in just a moment, I thought of something. I mean, he'd been impressed with nothing that I had shown him or told him. And in my mind, I thought, I know one thing that is so impressive that he will have to take note of it and will have to comment on it. <clears throat> Got in the car and came back into town and headed up 55 and we soon came to Green Lawn Cemetery and I said we've buried a number of folks from our church here I thought he might look sad but instead he said triumphantly he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live I'd never heard anybody say anything like that but a preacher I wasn't sure how to respond we continued on past the cemetery and up to Wade Nash Road, <clears throat> where I turned and went across to Piney Grove Wilbon and then to Honeycutt Road. There was something I wanted him to see that I just knew would impress him. I turned on I turned from Honeycutt Road to Cass Holt Road and then to Avent Ferry. And as I drove down Avent Ferry, I commented about the trees. And there's a lot of uh, um, dogwoods blooming throughout the woods that you can see there. And I, I think it's beautiful. I could see him smile, but he didn't say anything. And after a while, Avent Ferry Road ends, and I turn right on Holloman's Crossroad. Before long, I slowed down as we started across a bridge. And I said to this stranger, look over to our left. There was this huge hourglass-shaped cooling tower of Sharon Harris nuclear plant. And I thought to myself, that would impress anybody. 
The man looked for just a moment. And then he looked at me and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I was speechless. Went on across the bridge. Turned around and came back. And as we came back across the bridge, he looked over towards Sharon Harris' plant and said, I am the light of the world, and whoever abides in me will not walk in darkness. Well, the ride back to the church here passed in silence. When we got back here, I asked if he would like to see the inside of the church. He said yes. And so I unlocked the door here and opened it, held it open for him. And as he walked past me coming in, he just smiled and said, I am the door. I told him how old our church was. Something about our history. And how we were looking forward to having some education, some more educational space. And that's what we were doing over there. And then I mentioned a man who, in my judgment is largely humanly responsible for what Wake Chapel Church is today. Mr. J.D. Johnson. He pastored here 27 years. Before I could say anything else, he said, you don't need to tell me about Lee Johnson. I know him well. In fact, I saw him just the other day. For a moment, I could not believe I'd heard him say that. Then I went back to talking about our buildings and when they were built, and he didn't seem too impressed by any of it. He said, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Well, I opened the doors to the offices and pointed to our church office. As you come in the door, it's on your right. I said, this is where Melissa Baker works. She's our church secretary, and she does her work faithfully as unto the Lord. She carries out her duties, and there are so many little things that she does, people in church have no idea of. He said, don't worry about that. Whoever gives a cup of cold water to my name by no means loses the reward. I pointed to David and Seth's office. Told him a little little bit about David and a little about Seth. And what fine men they were, first of all. And what good work they did. How faithful they were in the discharge of their duties. He said... If any man's work abide, which he hath built upon it, he shall receive a reward. I didn't know what else to do with him. I'd done everything I could think of except, well, let's go in the auditorium. Would you like to go in the auditorium? Yes. Brought him in here. Came through the door here and pointed up here. And I said, this is the pulpit. And I try to preach from here every Sunday. I pointed to the choir loft and told him of the, Wonderful music that we enjoy every Sunday. And how faithful David and the choir were. We were here. 
Before I could say anything else, this man who wasn't as much of a stranger anymore looked me right in the eye, this close, and said, Ross Marion, do you love me? I shrugged my shoulders a bit and said, well, I'm beginning to be a little fond of you. Again, very direct. Ross, Marion, do you love me? Well, my nervousness had elevated considerably. And all I could think of to say was a a stupid remark. And I just said, sure, I like everybody, and that includes you. With a very penetrating look, he then said, are you even fond of me? Then he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And without anything further, no more comments, nothing, he turned, started up the aisle, raised his hand. Headed to the back door. And it was then that I noticed that his hands were scarred. He reached the back door and said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he was gone. The funny thing about it was, after he was gone, it seemed more like he was here than when he was here. Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder... If you know, my friend, this is my little parable for Easter. Jesus didn't actually get in the car with me yesterday afternoon. But had he done so, and had we driven to these places I have mentioned, I think he would have said the exact things that I referenced a moment ago. I wondered, too, If we stopped in front of your house, what he might have said, might he have said of some, they've never trusted me personally. I want to be their savior. I gave my life for them. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. Might he have said of others, yes, I know them. I used to hear them say, I love you, and I want to do your will. But they don't say those things to me anymore. They've wandered away from me. In fact, they don't come to my house except Christmas and Easter. Easter. 
might he have said of others, though I gave my life for the church, they haven't linked their lives with the local congregation. If my friend had stopped in front of your house, what would he have said? Our Father, speak to us today about our relationship, our eternal relationship with the one who died on the cross. Bring to our remembrance in a way that it perhaps hasn't been there for a while. The one who died on the cross died for me. And now I don't have to die for my sins. I trust him and all of my sins are taken on him and I am forgiven. And I have heaven as a certainty. Lord, help us to think about Jesus, our walk with him, our relationship to him. I pray and ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The hymn of benediction is Victory in Jesus. It is number 473. The number in your worship folder is incorrect. It is number 473. Victory in Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. He plunged me to victory beneath His cleansing blood. In the blood of Christ, there is freedom from our sins. Wow. I trust that this week for you will be, and for me, will be a bit of a different week. Read through the account in the Gospels, Matthew 21 and other passages about his coming into the city and what happened. And take the story to the end for next Sunday. The first part of our service will be taken up with the death of Christ. The last part of our service, and this will all be musical, uh, the last part of our service will focus on the resurrection. So take the story from the time he came into the city until the time he arose. Rejoice over the tombs empty. But don't be so taken with that, you don't take the time to read the rest of the story. And then when you've read the rest of the story, celebrate the resurrection. The tomb's empty. No other religious figure is there in all of time and history of whom that can be said. Those others who have been worshipped as gods, as God, as Savior, whatever, they're still in the tomb. Amen. And that's what makes Christianity different from all the rest. People ask, why do you think Christianity is, is, is different? And you can run right across country to the fact that we're the only thing that can get your sins forgiven for sure we're the only one that can tell you 
the tomb's empty. Is the one you worship dead in a tomb somewhere? Or has he risen from the dead? The King of kings that we worship, the Lord of lords, is risen from the dead. All God's people said, Amen. Joe Fort's our deacon today. Joe comes to dismiss us with prayer. Go your way today. Be blessed and rejoice in the Lord. To our guests, thank you for being with us this morning. Cliff Ransdale, you threw me a curve today. You're not supposed to be on that side. All the years I've known you, you and your family have sat on the other side. I don't care where you sit. I'm glad to see you and your family. God bless you. Joe, pray for us, would you please? Then we'll sing, God be with you till we meet again. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come this Palm Sunday uh, just reminding once again by our pastor of the events in history that took place between Palm Sunday and the day that you rose from the grave. And because of that, we can sing victory in Jesus because of what you suffered, because of what you, your blood that you shed and died as a ransom for our sins. We do have victory in Jesus, and we thank you for that. We pray for our mission of the week, Bonnie Pearson. We pray that you would uh, be with her, provide uh, all of her needs, both spiritually and physically. And we just pray, pray that you would continue to bless uh, the work that you have called her to do. And once again, as we go the, uh, our way this week, and if, when the opportunity permits itself, we come in contact with others as we too would remind them about the victory we have in Jesus. And we'll give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.